Father, again, I want to thank you for this opportunity to be together, to worship you, and to thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. We thank you, Lord, for your provision in our lives. And God, we ask that you would continue to provide in our lives and families and provide to our ministry here, Lord, this church, which is really your church. We thank you for the offerings and the generous giving of your people, Lord, and we pray that you would continue to provide all that's needed. Also, God, I ask that you would speak to us now out of your word as we look together to the book of Jeremiah. Give us ears to hear what you would say today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please open them up with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 40. Jeremiah, chapter 40. We had, uh, last week at our second service, you know, we had a number of things going on, some announcements and a baby dedication. We weren't able to work our way through all of the passages that I had prepared last week, but I'm not going to go back and recap those only because it's difficult to keep both services together if I start doing that. So we're going to move ahead to chapter 40. Those of you that were in the second service last week and didn't have opportunity to hear uh, the full balance of the message, it is available on the website. And if you need to go back and uh, hear that message in its entirety, it would be available to you. But today we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 40 through 44. Kind of ambitious to try and cover all four chapters today. And we won't read each and every verse, and I'll be doing some summarizing, and we'll be picking out some highlights but I wanted to treat all of this together because it really is a message that should be uh, covered together. It's all kind of the final prophecy of Jeremiah the prophet. Now, there's some more chapters in the book of Jeremiah, but the remaining chapters are going to be actually prophecies that Jeremiah gave prior to these prophecies we'll look at today. As we know, Jeremiah is a collection of his prophecies not necessarily in chronological order. What we're looking at today are the very final words from the prophet Jeremiah to, the, to his people and to the nation. You'll remember that uh, the nation of Israel, Judah, has been conquered by Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, and they've been taken captive, many of them. And now we have just a small remnant that have been left behind there in the nation of Judah. Uh, it says that they left, you know, just some of the poor people and some of the common folks, all of the leadership, all of the armies were destroyed. But we have just this remnant left there uh, in the nation, and we're going to see that Jeremiah makes a choice to stay with them. But today's message is entitled, The Pleading of a Loving God. It's amazing to me, after all that Jeremiah has prophesied, all that God has had to do in this people in terms of judging and disciplining them, still his heart continues to plead and reach out to his people. God loves his people, and God, in fact, so loves the world that he sent his only son to plead, to call us to be reconciled to him. You may remember this verse out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul. He said, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God, even in the face of a very rebellious people and a nation that have turned their back on him, he has not turned his back. God continue to, continuing to implore them, continuing to try and rescue and save. So I want you to see that today as we look at these chapters together. 
The first thing that we can notice in chapters 40 and 41 is that God sends a faithful messenger, a faithful messenger. Look with me, starting in verse 1 of chapter 40. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah when he had taken him bound in chains among all who were carried away captive from Jerusalem and Judah, who were carried away captive to Babylon. Jeremiah has been gathered up with the rest of uh, the important citizens, and he is actually being taken captive to Babylon, and he's going away in chains. But then the guard gets word, verse 2, And the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, the Lord your God has pronounced this doom on this place. Now the Lord has brought it and has done just as he said, because you people have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed his voice. Therefore this thing has come upon you. And now look, I free you this day from the chains that were on your hand. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come, and I will look after you. But if it seems wrong for you to come with me to Babylon, remain here. See, all the land is before you. Wherever it seems good and convenient for you to go, go there. Now, while Jeremiah had not yet gone back, Nebuzaradan said, Go back to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon has made governor over the cities of Judah, and dwell with him among the people, or go wherever it seems convenient for you to go. So the captain of the guard gave him rations and a gift and let him go. And then Jeremiah went to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, to Mitzpah, and dwelt with him among the people who were left in the land. Jeremiah's prophecies apparently had somehow reached the authorities in Babylon. He's been gathered and taken captive, and he's being transported in chains with the rest of the people. And the captain gets word, maybe from Nebuchadnezzar, the king himself, who had heard about this Jeremiah and understood his prophecies. And he sends word to the captain, let Jeremiah go free. Give Jeremiah the choice. If he wants to come back to Babylon, have him come back with you. You watch over him. You take care of him. He can come and live in Babylon and we'll have, we'll have a place here for him. If he wants to stay, let him stay. and Let him stay wherever he wants to. Jeremiah has found favor in the nation of Babylon. And yet, he makes a choice. Now, you, you might have thought, you know, Jeremiah, there's nothing left here in the land. It's all rubble. In fact, Jeremiah, it's believed, wrote the book of Lamentations, where he just laments over the destruction of his nation. Why not go to Babylon? Make a new start for yourself. The people, obviously, are welcoming you. You have some reputation. Jeremiah himself had prophesied to some of the remnant that had already been taken captive to Babylon. Remember, he said, God's going to bless you there. Pray for the peace of the city where you end up, and God will bless you in that place. Jeremiah could have possibly seen this as a new start for him, a new opportunity. He's been 40-plus years prophesying to a people who have rejected his ministry. But he makes a choice. Instead of starting over and going to Babylon, he chooses still to stay in the land, and to continue to minister to his people. It reminded me of a verse, you don't need to turn, but you may remember this out of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24, talking about the faith, the heroes of faith, 
Speaking of Moses, it says, By faith, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Moses made a decision, and he made it not based on his own personal comfort or his own personal opportunity, but he made it on the basis of faith, believing something. Believing that obeying God's purpose for his life would be of greater reward in the long run than any temporal blessing he might have been able to obtain by living in Pharaoh's palace. He instead was willing to be identified with God's people and became, as you know, a man used mightily as in their deliverance. Jeremiah is making the same kind of a decision. He has opportunity to kind of be done with it all, but instead he chooses to stay there with his people to continue to be a faithful messenger to a people that have rejected their God. All of us have to make decisions in our lives. All of us are going to be faced with opportunities to either obey the Lord or pursue your own desire. Now, sometimes those things come together. What, what God, God actually works a desire in your heart and in pursuing the Lord, it's what you desire as well. We believe that's ultimately what God wants to do in our lives. The Bible says that He is at work in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. But let's be honest, there are times when His will is not necessarily my will. And choices have to be made. And Jeremiah makes a choice to obey the Lord and to serve the Lord. Moses made a choice to serve the Lord. Interesting that the writer of Hebrews says that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. How is it that Moses could have embraced the reproach of Christ several thousand years before Christ had even come? How is it possible that he was identifying with Christ? Because it is ultimately Jesus Christ who would set aside his place of honor and be identified in a humble way by becoming men that he might give his life on a cross for the sins of men. Jesus Christ would be the ultimate expression of setting aside personal desire and, per, and pursuing God's calling upon his life. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the wrestling of that. Oh God, if there's any way, Father, that this cup could pass, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus would be the ultimate expression of making a choice to fulfill his calling. But Jeremiah is making this same calling, and he too is 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 embracing the reproach of Christ. Moses embraced the reproach of Christ. What is this reproach of Christ? It's a willingness to humble yourself and your own ways, your own plans, your own ambitions, to be obedient, to serve God, and to fulfill that which He's called you to. All of us have been called. The Bible says that before the foundation of the world, God prepared good works that we would walk in them. You know that some of those good works that he has planned for you will probably require the setting aside of your own works, the setting aside of maybe your own plans. So a heart that is willing to obey God, a heart that says, I'm, 
I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm not here for myself. Jeremiah, this obedient servant, continues to be a faithful messenger. Let me summarize for you the rest of chapter 40. We don't have time to read through it all. But now that this Gedaliah has come and been appointed this governor in the land, Jeremiah chooses to go and be with him and support him. Gedaliah seemed to be a good man, and he would tell the people, listen, the king of Babylon has allowed us to live here. Let's live in peace. Let's do the best we can with what's left of our nation. But there's also some other personalities that are there in the land, and, and they begin to make a power grab. This Gedaliah, they look to uh, usurp his authority as you know, kind of a power vacuum after the, the, the kingdom has been you know, destroyed. Now there's people jockeying for power. And a couple of uh, characters stand out to us. One is a man by the name of Ishmael who comes and pretends to be someone in support of Gedaliah's new rule. But another man by the name of Johanan, he seems to understand what Ishmael's intentions are, and he comes to Gedaliah in secret and said, Listen, this Ishmael is not on your side. In fact, he's making plans to kill you. He wants to assassinate you and take your, your place as governor over these people. Let me kill him for you. Give me permission and I'll take him out so that he doesn't come and, and take over your position. And Gedaliah just doesn't believe it. He says, no, no, that, that can't be true. Don't do anything. Leave him alone. Well, Gedaliah was, like I said, probably a good man, but also something of a naive man. And in fact, this Ishmael does kill Gedaliah. He kills him and all of his leaders. There's also men and women that are coming into the city. You know, now that the, the siege is over, now that Babylon's armies have left, many are coming back to the land to, to kind of resettle. And what we find is that uh, there are some men that have even come to worship the Lord. Eighty men come, and they come as Ishmael has just killed Gedaliah, and so he captures them and kills 70 of them as well and then spares the other ten only to loot them and find out where their riches have been hidden. And he takes then all of the remaining people, the king's daughters, all of those that are there, he kind of establishes himself as the ruler, and he begins to take them, and he's going to lead all of the people out of the land, and he's going to take them over to the land of the Ammonites. Well, this Johanan, who I mentioned earlier, he... he becomes aware of this, this rebellion. And he then pursues, he gathers, he's something of a captain, and he gathers the captains of the land, and he then comes after Ishmael. Now, Ishmael would escape, but Johanan would eventually uh, set these people free from their captivity. And then we pick up the story here in chapter 41, in the last part, after Johanan picks, gets these people rescued, then now the kind of the question arises, what now shall we do? You know, Babylon, the, the governor that Babylon has installed, Gedaliah, he's been murdered. What's going to happen with, when the Babylonians find out? Are they going to come back and take it out on us? And so they make a plan, and you see it here in the last two verses of chapter um, 41. Chapter 41, look with me, verse 17. I've just kind of summarized here what's taken place in 40 and 41. And I don't know what some of you are saying. Wow, if that was your summary, Pastor, I'd hate to hear your full story. That was kind of a lengthy summary. 
Verse 17, And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham, which is near Bethlehem, as they went on their way to Egypt because of the Chaldeans, that is the Babylonians, for they were afraid of them because Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had murdered Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, whom the king of Babylon had made governor in the land. Now that's important to understand that in their mind, it was time to get out of town. In their mind, after this murder, we better hightail out of Judah and go to Egypt. But they camp there in Bethlehem. They're still in Judah, and now they're going to make a decision on what to do. But their plan is to go to Egypt. Now, we pick it up here in verse 42. As I mentioned, God is faithful to provide a messenger. And what we see here in chapter 42, God is also able to provide a clear message. Look with me in verse 1. Now all the captains of the forces, Johanan the son of Kareah, Jezaniah the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near. And they said to Jeremiah the prophet, Please let our petition be acceptable to you, and pray for us to the Lord our, your God for all this remnant, since we are left but a few of many, as you can see that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing which we should do. Notice they say, pray to the Lord your God. Well, Jeremiah responds, verse 4, Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard. Indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. And so they said to Jeremiah, Let the Lord be true. And faithful witness between us, if we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you, whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God, to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. So that sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? They've kind of made plans to go to Egypt, but they're camped there at Bethlehem, and they say, you know what? Maybe we should get Jeremiah the prophet to inquire of the Lord for us. We have our plans. We think we know what's best, but kind of maybe as an afterthought, but nevertheless, still a good thought. Anytime prayer comes to mind, it's a good idea. Let's get Jeremiah and have him go to the Lord. Jeremiah says, I'll go. I'll pray for you. And they said, okay, whatever he says, good or bad, whatever God tells you to do, that's what we're going to do. We've heard that before from God's people, haven't we? We're going to see, you know, something of of a repeat. But At least they're willing to stop and take time to pray. Well, let's continue on and we'll see what kind of counsel God brings. Verse 7. And it happened after ten days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Just pause there a minute. Ten days. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, Jeremiah is a prophet. You'd think Jeremiah, just all he has to do is say the word and God will give him the understanding. I mean, he's been walking with the Lord, prophesying for the Lord 40 plus years. And yet Jeremiah needs 10 days to wait on the Lord to receive word from heaven. Sometimes the Lord delays, doesn't he? We like to, I like to pray and then God answer the prayer immediately. Those are the kinds of prayers that I like. And those are the kinds of answers that I like. Kind of a fast food window idea. Well, Jer- Jeremiah is a man who knows how to wait on the Lord. A lot of scriptures talk about waiting on the Lord. And I think the Lord oftentimes delays his response. Now, what's going on here? Was God not sure what to do and having to think about it? Of course not. 
Now, God is trying to draw something out in the people. God is trying to draw something out in the heart of Jeremiah, a patience, a willingness to wait, a willingness to draw close to the Lord, a willingness to, to pray and seek Him. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a process that's healthy when you have to wait on the Lord. You need an answer. You need some direction in your life. You need to hear from God today. Maybe you're, maybe you're weighing some decisions that are important. And you want to know what God's counsel is. And you'd like to just say a quick prayer and God just immediately give you an answer. But God doesn't always work that way. God may say, you know what? Seek me. You'll find me. Keep knocking. The door will be opened. Come after me. Come spend some time with me. Not because I, I don't know the answer yet, but because you and I need some time together. There's a health in the process of pursuing the Lord in prayer. You've got to slow down a little bit. You've got to take some time and you begin to focus on the Lord. And as you draw near to Him in prayer, the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart and in your life. And you find that over a few days, in Jeremiah's case, ten days, imagine... Ten days of really seeking the Lord and drawing close to Him in prayer, really looking to hear from God. Think of the spiritual you know, fellowship that he enjoyed for those ten days. Think of the strength of his own personal relationship with God that was developed and cultivated. Oh, God, help us to slow down. God, help us to learn how to wait on the Lord. A lost art. We've forgotten how to slow and listen and just be with Him, and just sit at His feet, and just wait on Him. Oh God, I need the answer. I need it now. I hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And if you don't answer me, you know, really quick, then I'll I'll just have to make my own decision. I'll have to take matters in my own hand. Sometimes God delaying for that very purpose. Can you trust me? Will you wait on me? Will you spend that time and allow the Lord to speak to your heart in the still small voice? Well, God does send answer. And what we see here is that God brings, in verses 8 through 12, a promise of blessing. Verse 8. I'm in chapter 42. Then he called Johanan, the son of Kareah, all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least even to the greatest. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. If you will still remain in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him, says the Lord. For I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. And I will show you mercy, that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. A promise of blessing. Stay in the land. In the Bible, Egypt is something of a type or a symbol of the world, of a life in sin. Judah, Israel, is something of the promised land. And it's a type of relationship with God. And we see throughout the Old Testament a, a, a calling out of Egypt to come to the promised land. And we, we're studying Exodus, and you know the story. The, the, the heart of the people, oftentimes, when things got difficult, what did they want to do? 
go back to Egypt, to the security of Egypt. But that's a lot, that's a, that's going back to the old way. That's going back to the world. That's going back to a life that was in bondage. God has called you out from Egypt and He's calling you to the promised land and He's saying to His people, don't go to Egypt. Don't go back there. Don't look for resource and help there. You stay here in this land that I've called you to. Stay in this place that I've led you. I'm I'm prepared to forgive you of your sin if you'll return your heart to me now. I will relent, he says. The discipline is over. If you will now settle in the land, I will bless you there. And I will extend mercy to you. Nebuchadnezzar will not come and deal harshly with you. I will put mercy in his heart for you. And it will be my mercy extended to you. Don't be afraid of him. God trying to speak to his people about staying in the plan of God and not letting fear redirect their hearts. Fear is the lack of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is not the basis on which to make decisions. Decisions made in God are not made out of fear and fretting and anxiety and worry and stress. That's why sometimes it takes a little time to wait on Him as He quiets our hearts down. And He says, now this is the way. Walk ye in it. I'll be with you. Have faith. God's always calling us to faith. God is always, often the direction and leading of the, of the Lord will require faith. And He's calling us to trust Him. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but that doesn't seem like a good idea, Lord. But Lord, I know that, no, I've already kind of worked this out in my mind, God. No, when, I, when we sent Jeremiah to pray, we, we kind of already assumed that you were, we were on the same page. And now, Lord, this is a different idea. And we see this now. That this promise of blessing also comes with a strong warning. Look at verse 13. But if you say, we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, but we will go to the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor be hungry for bread, and there we shall dwell. Then hear the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, If you wholly set your faces to enter Egypt and go to dwell there, then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. The famine of which you were afraid shall follow close after you and there in Egypt, and there you shall die. So shall it be with all the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to dwell there, They shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the disaster that I will bring upon them. Yes, there's a promise of blessing if you'll stay, if you'll you'll walk by faith and not fear, and I will bless you. But if you determine, if you say, and this is where things often begin, decisions are often made first in our own mind, and then we begin to say, We begin to declare what we want. We begin to declare what we believe is right. If you say no, we're going to go to Egypt. Now, they haven't left Egypt yet, or they haven't left for Egypt yet. They haven't done anything, but they're already talking about it. We know from those verses we read in back in 41 that they they camped there planning to go to Egypt. They're already saying, we're going to Egypt. Oh, but by the way, send Jeremiah in to pray for us. 
Something of an insincere heart is going to be revealed here in these next few verses. But what, notice what God says in His warning. The very thing that you are afraid of, if you'll trust Me, it won't happen. But if you refuse to obey Me, the very thing that you're afraid of, it will follow you all the way to Egypt. The very sword that you're weary, worried about, the king of Babylon coming, if you disobey me and go to Egypt, Babylon, Babylon will come to Egypt. Nebuchadnezzar will come and find not only you, but all of Egypt and judge you there. God is saying, listen, you can't run from trouble. You can't escape everything by just, you know, moving your location, finding a new uh, relationship, finding a new job, finding a new church. Just, you know, it's not working out here. This isn't what I want. I'm just, it, it's, and it's, it's got to be the, the, everybody else's fault. And I just need to relocate, start over. And this is their idea. Let's get out of here. We don't want to hear the trumpets anymore. We'll be so happy there. Oh, there'll be plenty of food. We won't have any more troubles. And they imagine a better place, but it's, it's not God's place. Now, there are times. There are times when God does lead us to new places. There are times when God does direct us. But in those directing times, it comes through faith. It comes through God's leading of His Spirit, speaking and directing. Not you planning and scheming because of your own fears, your own insecurities, your own worries. And here's what happens. Because a lot of the trouble that we have, if we're honest, is our own. A lot of the things that aren't working out wherever it is you are, are partially, at least partially, your own fault. And guess what happens when you go to that new place? You bring all that with you. Most of the trouble goes with you. And you can't just, you know, run from relationship to relationship, from place to place. As I mentioned, there are times when God leads. But there are also times when God leads to stay and to be faithful and to, and, and to trust me where you are in what you're going through. And it may be that I will lead you to a different place in some season in the future, but you wait till I lead you there. You don't plan and scheme and then try to get me to bless it. It's got to be the Lord. It's what I want. Lord, put your blessing on this. And that's what these people were doing. Look, Jeremiah calls them out here. Read on with me, verse 19. Verse 18, I'm sorry. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my fury have been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so will my fury be poured out on you when you enter Egypt. And you shall be an oath, an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach, and you shall see this place no more. The Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. I mean, the Lord makes it so clear. But look at verse 20. For you were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, pray for us to the Lord our God. And according to all that the Lord your God says, so declare to us and we will do it. And I have, se and I have this day declared to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God or anything which he has sent you by me. 
Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence in the place where you desire to go to dwell. Jeremiah calls him out. They calls him out. Listen, you guys weren't sincere in your prayer. You'd already made up your mind and your hearts when you sent me in to pray for you. You had no intention of obeying what God said unless God happened to say what you wanted to hear. And he calls them out. You're being hypocritical. You're, you're, you're portraying like you're really spiritual and wanting to obey the Lord, but you have your own agenda. And you're not really going to do what God says unless it's what you want to do anyway. And Jeremiah calls them out. Well, the people, it goes from the warning to this rebuke. And we see now the heart, the true heart of the people is revealed to us in chapter 43. The message is rejected. Now it happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, all these words. As soon as he stops, right? <laughs> Go pray for us, Jeremiah. Whatever God says we're going to do. As soon as he gives the word, verse 2, then Azariah, the son of Hoshiah, Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the proud men spoke, saying to Jeremiah, You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, Do not go to Egypt to dwell there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, has sent, set you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they may put us to death or carry us away to, to captive to Babylon, fear continuing to dominate their heart and decision. No faith in God, no trust that God could take care of these things. So Johanan, the son of Korea, all the captains of the forces, and all the people would not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. Skip ahead and look with me, verse 7. One of the saddest verses in the book of Jeremiah. So they went out to the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And they went as far as Tephanus. A refusal to obey. God's word comes clearly. Never mind that Jeremiah for over 40 years has been prophesying to this people. And so far, he, his, his batting average is a thousand. Everything that he has said has come to pass. Every word that he has brought for over 40 years has been true. Every prophecy has been fulfilled. Even when people doubted, even when they said it wasn't, it was God's word and God's word has been true and faithful for over 40 years through this prophet. But now, now that he's saying something they don't want to hear, you speak falsely. It's not the Lord. God didn't send you. Somebody else, Baruch, he must have conspired you against us. And you're just saying this because, you know, you want to see us taken captive. And, and we're still afraid of these things. And, you know, this can't be right. This can't be the Lord. They reject his word. They reject his counsel. And they refuse to obey. They went to Egypt. They did not obey the voice of the Lord. There comes a time in... Christian living as God's people where we have to stop doing what we want to do. There has to be a willingness to obey the voice of the Lord. There are things that 
go on in our Christian lives that we know God's word has given us a different counsel. There are decisions that are made so often that we know are against the counsel of God's word. I don't know if it's in the back of our mind we we imagine that, well, somehow God will forgive me and it'll work out anyway because it's what I want to do and or maybe it's just, we just lack the faith. I just don't believe that God could work it out this way, so I'm determined to work it out in my own strength. But a life that's going to grow in faith is going to have to learn how to obey. Faith brings obedience. Faith will lead you to obedience. Because as you believe God and His Word and you trust Him, you begin to obey it because you know that He loves you. And you know that what he has for you is best. As a parent, haven't there been times when, when you have worried over decisions of your children, knowing that maybe they're younger, less experienced, and you just know that's not going to go well for them? And your heart as a parent, you begin to plead, no, don't, this is not right. Maybe it's not even, maybe just friends, close friends. Maybe you have unsaved loved ones and you've pleaded with them to come and come to faith in Christ. This decision is going to lead you to destruction and it's going to bring just devastating consequences to your life. This is what's going on. God still leaving Jeremiah behind to somehow plead with these people, don't do this. It's not too late to come to faith. It's not too late to put your trust in your God again. He'll forgive you of everything. All that's, been, all that's happened can be put aside. Just stay in the land. Trust me to take care of you in this place that I've called you to be. And let me work. Put your fears and anxieties aside. Let me take care of you right here, right now. It's not too late. And Jeremiah, God pleading through the prophet, but also warning. Well, that's why it's so sad when we see the heart of the people. They went to Egypt anyway. They refused to obey the Lord. They did what they wanted to do. Well, Jeremiah would prophesy. I'll summarize here. Jeremiah would continue. Jeremiah, by the way, would go with them to Egypt. They forced him to go to Egypt with him. Again, this, this prophet, boy, what a life, what a ministry. All these years, having to oversee this kind of rebellion and be, be the voice of God in a community that didn't want to hear from him. And yet now he's on his way to Egypt. He knows what's coming. He knows what ultimately is going to come upon the people, but he's going with them. And what does he do? He gets to Egypt And he continues to speak God's word. God, even after they rejected him in his face and went to Egypt anyway, we'll do, thank you, God, we're going to do what we want. And God says, I'm going with you. Jeremiah will be there to speak to you there too. Doesn't that sound like the Holy Spirit? Times when you've run your own way, gone your own direction, and yet the Holy Spirit goes with you, doesn't he? The hound of heaven, he's there nipping at your heels. Come back. It's not too late. This isn't the right way. This isn't the right direction. I still love you. Come home. 
We see Jeremiah prophesy again. I'll just summarize it, but Jeremiah there in verses 8 through 13, the balance of the chapter of 43, Jeremiah continues to, to prophesy to the people. He goes into a courtyard near the Pharaoh's house and palace, and God gives him one of those action sermons again. He takes large stones and he puts them under the clay courtyard that's out in front of the palace. And he said, now this is exactly where Nebuchadnezzar is going to spread his tent when he comes and conquers Egypt. And wouldn't you know that archaeologists have found today, they found that courtyard and they found those ruins. They found that very place where Nebuchadnezzar ultimately pitched his tent as he oversaw the destruction of Egypt and including the people of Israel who had gone there with him. Jeremiah still bringing God's word. Jeremiah still trying to appeal to their heart. Finally, chapter 44, we finish up again. Jeremiah's words to this rebellious people there in Egypt. And we see a broken heart, a broken heart. Look with me, and again, I'm just going to scan for sake of time. Let me pull out a few verses for you. Look at verse Verses 3 and 4. Because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger. Jeremiah now speaking to this rebellious people that have gone on to Egypt. He's in Egypt with them. But he's reminding them of uh, what's happening in their life. You provoked me to anger and they went to burn incense and serve other gods whom they did not know. They nor you nor your fathers. Verse 4, However, I sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. Listen, you were in Israel and I spoke to you faithfully. I sent my prophets and they rose up early. They came early. They came often. I tried to warn you that this you would not end up in this place. Verse 7, Now therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, Why do you commit this great evil against yourselves? To cut off from you, man and woman, child and infant, out of Judah, leaving none to remain. Do you hear the heart of the Lord? Why do you do this to yourself? Why do you you determine to, to reject me and to turn your back on me? I love you so. I have something better for you. I wanted to plant you and build you and establish you. Why do you do this to yourself? Cutting yourself off from the only God who can help you. I think of those that reject Jesus Christ today. The only name by which a man can be saved. The only way to salvation, to be reconciled with God, is through this loving offer of Jesus Christ, who came and died on a cross to demonstrate His love, to pay the price for your sin. And like the Apostle Paul, his ambassador, pleading, be reconciled to God. And yet people turn away, and God's heart, I think, today says the same things. Why do you do this to yourself? Why would you run from a God who loves you so? A God who wants to bless you so? Look at their response. Pick it up with me in verse 16. This people. Verse 16. This is the response 
from the folks there in Egypt now that Jeremiah is still trying to plead with them. As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But we will certainly do whatever has gone out of our own mouth to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, to pour out drink offerings to her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes, in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food. We were well off. We saw no trouble. There's the response. I mean, it couldn't be more of an in-your-face rebellion then had they shook their fist at God Himself. Here's, what we, here's our response to you, Jeremiah. We won't do anything you said. We'll do everything that we have decided to do. We're going to continue to offer our offerings to the Queen of Heaven because we can remember a time when we were back in Israel and we were worshiping all those false gods and we were happy. How crazy the mind gets thinking that, you know, that was a good time in their life. Jeremiah would go on to tell them here, listen, the reason you're in Egypt today is because of what you did back there in Jerusalem. That's not, that, being, worshiping the queen of heaven isn't what brought blessing to your life. That's what brought judgment upon you there and it will bring judgment upon you here. Careful that you don't let the enemy play tricks in your mind. You know, sometimes, you know, the farther you get away from the life in Egypt, the, the life of sin, sometimes you forget that how bad, it, that bondage. And you, we tend to kind of look back and, oh, those are the good old days, you know. And those weren't the good old days. Those were the horrible days. No, the days that God brought you out of that. Don't long for it. Don't look back to it. You look forward now in walking in obedience and faithfulness to God. Well, he goes on. Look at verse 20. Again, I see the heart of God. Jeremiah spoke to all the people, the men, the women, and all the people who had given him that answer, saying, The incense that you burn in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, you and your fathers, your kings, and your princes... And the people of the land, did not, remember, did, did not the Lord remember them? And did it not come into his mind? Look, so the Lord could no longer bear it because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which you committed. Therefore, your land is a desolation, an astonishment, a curse, and without an inhabitant as it is this day. That phrase just stuck out to me in preparing this, this, this study when the Lord could no longer bear it. How merciful is the Lord. How long-suffering and patient is the Lord. But there comes a time when He can no longer bear it. The Bible talks about God weighing kingdoms in, in the scales. Your kingdom has been weighed in the scale, He said to one man, and He said, and you've been found wanting. The scales have tipped against you. God, when He could no longer bear it, He had to judge even His own rebellious children. Think of what the Lord bears with. You know, the Bible talks today about uh, the return of Christ. Peter, you may remember, he said, you know, people scoff that Jesus is coming back. They say, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that for, you know, we've been hearing that for 2,000 years. He's not coming back. Everything's going the way it always has. 
And the Bible says, don't listen to those scoffers. Jesus said he's coming back. He's coming back. And the reason he hasn't come back is because of the mercy of God. Because when he comes, he comes to judge. When he comes, it's over. He waits, he tarries, because he wants to give opportunity for every heart to turn in faith to Christ and have a relationship with him, to be saved, so that when he returns, you look up because it's your salvation coming near, rather than him coming with fire from his mouth and a sword in his hand to judge the nations. But there will come a day when he can no longer bear it. Until that day, God continues to offer mercy and how our hearts need to respond to his offer as he speaks to us and how he desires to bring us. Finally, look here, just a couple of verses. Look with me, verse 26. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, God now, giving these people what they want. You don't want to know me? You don't want to have anything to do with me? Okay, guys, here it is. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah, who dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, The Lord God lives. What a terrible word to receive from God. Okay, listen, men of Egypt. You don't want to have anything to do with me. I'm going to let you go. My name is never going to be on your lips again. Your heart's never going to turn back to me or look to me again. You want to be finished with me. I love you. I've tarried with you. I've, be- I've borne with you. I've pleaded with you. But I'm going to let you go. I've got to turn you over to what you want to do. Because I won't force you to love me. Although I love you with everything that's within me. And a terrible testimony of a people who were once so rich in the Lord. But I want, you, I want to leave you with just this message of hope in verse 28. Look at this. I mean, in the face of all this, guys, okay, you want to be done, you're done. But look at verse 28. Yet a small number who escape the sword shall return from the land of Egypt to the land of Judah And all the remnant of Judah who have gone to the land of Egypt to dwell there shall know whose words will stand, mine or theirs. Babylon's going to come to Egypt. The trouble you were running from is going to follow you there. And that judgment's going to come. And you've given up on me, and so so be it. But there's going to be a few survivors. When when Egypt is destroyed, there's still going to be a few survivors that are going to see what has happened and they're going to realize that God's words have stood over man's and they're going to come home. They're going to come back to Judah. God's still not finished with them as a people and as a nation. The long-suffering, the patience, the, the, the mercy of God. And that's why God tarries today. You know why? Because there's still a small number. You know, don't you wonder, God, how much longer can it all go on? 
I see things on the news that horrify me. I'm talking about just some of the crimes that we hear reported. Child abuse. Terrible, horrible things. Innocents murdered and, and just terrible things. And it grieves my heart. I think, oh man, I, I don't even want to hear it. It's just so horrible. And then I think of the heart of God who sees it all every day. And I think of the weight on the heart of God. Here, men, man who I created in my image. And look, look what they're doing to one another. Look at the misery. Look at the despair. Look, Lord, what keeps you from coming back? Because there's still a small number. There's still some who are going to know. They're going to hear my word. And they're going to, they're going to weigh it compared to man's word. And they're going to know that my word's going to stand. There's still some who are choosing Jesus. There's still some that are coming to faith in relationship with God. And so I say, Lord, wait. Tarry, Lord. Lord, I'm ready for you to come. But Lord, for the sake of the lost, for the sake of whatever's left, Lord, in this nation, do you wonder about our own nation? We're coming up on the 10th year of 9-11, right? It's kind of a sobering time, isn't it? Can you remember where you were on 9-11 10 years ago? I think we all can. If you were around, you, you remember that day. It was, it was a shock. It was a sobering. And the, and the thought of, could this be something more than just some event? Could, this, could there be even a spiritual impact behind this? Is there something going on in, in the kingdom of heaven? And it rattled us and it shook us as a people. And we wondered, Lord... What is our future? What is our destiny? And, and we see today, as a nation, we're, we're not closer to God today, are we, ten years later? I think, to be honest, we're farther from God. And I wonder, Lord, where are we headed? What's coming? Now, I'm not a, I'm not a prophet, I'm not, and nor do I want to be a, a prophet of doom. But I want to say that God, Jesus Christ is coming back. And... I don't know what the future of our nation is going to be like, but I know that there are still some that can hear the gospel and turn their hearts. I pray for mercy. I pray God that would, God would extend us as a nation. I pray that we would turn our hearts back as a people. I pray that these next months and as our nation comes again to election, I pray that God would raise up godly leaders. And I pray that God would turn the heart of the church and turn the heart of this nation back to God and give us time, Lord. Spare us, show mercy, extend us, Lord, that others might come to know Christ. But I don't know what the Lord has planned, but I, I want to be faithful with, he, what, with what He's asked me to do. Think of Jeremiah. Oh, what a ministry. Right down to the end. He went with them to Egypt. We don't know if he died there in Egypt. Some have speculated that maybe he went on to Babylon. We don't know. This is the last recorded event in Jeremiah's life. Right down to the very end. He went down with his people speaking the word of God. Offering mercy. Offering relationship. Offering an opportunity to come to the Lord. God help us. Help us to be light in this day. Help us to be after the Lord. Help us to be willing to bear the reproach of Christ. Can you do it? Can you set aside your way 
for his? Can we really make those decisions that cost us a little, but nevertheless, thy will be done? I don't know where you're, what you're facing. I don't know exactly where you are, but my, my sense is that God has his hand on your life and wanting to direct you in a path that, is, that he has destined for you. And I'm asking you to consider surrender to that and nothing else. Don't let anything distract you from that. I can't think of better counsel that I could give you today than to go for God with everything that's, that's within you. For whatever time you have left, for whatever time we have left, let's live for the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jeremiah, the example, the example of a faithful servant and an obedient prophet. And Lord, we're challenged. Lord, we're, my heart is stirred. And I pray, God, that you would stir us as a people. Lord, not just a flash of emotion here today and gone by the time we get home. Lord, I'm asking you to begin to work in our hearts. I pray that there would be some, some waiting on you as Jeremiah waited ten days to hear. Lord, that we would become people that learn to wait again to draw near to God, to let you speak to us. God, infuse us with your spirit that we might be ambassadors for Christ, not ourselves, but for Jesus. Help me, Lord. Help me to be willing to bear the reproach of Christ by faith that I, like Moses, might consider that to be of greater reward than the passing pleasures of Egypt. Lord, as our heads are bowed and our hearts still in an attitude of prayer, I want to give an opportunity for those that are here today that may need to respond to the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God. You've never come to that offer that, that I spoke of earlier, Jesus Christ saying, Come. Let me forgive you of your sin. Put your faith in me. Confess, and I will cleanse and come to relationship. Be reconciled to God. Maybe you're here today, and for the first time in your life, God has spoken to you so clearly, and you know, I need to come to the Lord. I want to pray for you. God is waiting. God is wanting. God is willing. And He will, he will do it as you give place. Why? Why would you do this to yourself? Why would you walk away from the love of God so clearly demonstrated for you in Christ? I want to pray for you. Or, or maybe you're someone that has come to the Lord in the past. You have a relationship with Him, but you are far from the Lord today. You know, we, this, these passages in Jeremiah... It, these were not written to, God, to, to strangers. These were written to God's people. It's possible that even someone, a child of God, can become so prodigal, so distant, so after their own way that they, that they lose their way. And it may be that God has spoken to you and say, you know, you're, you're back in Egypt. You need to come back 
back home to the promised land. You need to come back in relationship with me. You need to rededicate your life and recommit your heart. I want to pray for you too. So if you're here today and you need to come to the Lord for the very first time, or you need to rededicate your life to him, would you please raise your hand wherever you are and I will pray for you. God bless you, sir. You as well. You, sir. You, ma'am, on my left. And you, ma'am, there in the back. Several of you, sir, there on the very far left, my far left. God bless you. Over on the right as well. God is speaking to hearts. Anyone else? God's drawing you. It's between you and him. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. Anyone else before I pray? God bless you, sir, here on, on the right. God bless you. I see you there in the center section in the back. Anyone else today, just before I pray? The Lord's spoken to you clearly. God bless you, ma'am. I'm going to pray for those that have responded. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. Prophet Jeremiah, speaking so clearly to the heart of his people, and it speaks so clearly to us today. Lord, it's like this, it's like Jeremiah was made for our time, because your word is timeless. Your word is alive. It's not written in a, in a to speak just to some specific moment in time. It's eternal. It speaks to all life throughout all generations. And so it speaks to our hearts today, God. And for those that have responded, Lord, I would simply ask, God, that you would see their hearts in sincerity today. I believe they're, they're coming to you and saying, God, forgive me. Cleanse me of my, my sin. Jesus, I want to receive your offer of love and mercy today. I want you to cleanse me from my sin. I believe that you died on that cross for me. You came. You set heaven aside and humbled yourself for me. Oh, God, forgive me and embrace me today. Draw me close to your heart. Fill me with your spirit. Begin to change my life. I want to live for you. Lord, I'm done with Egypt. I want to live in relationship with you. I want to walk in the promised land, that, plan, that place that you've planned for me, even before the foundation of the world. Oh God, bless and minister to those hearts that have responded. And I want to say one final prayer. I just feel the Lord prompting me to do so. I want to pray for those of you that are here today that are actually facing a decision and... You're contemplating Egypt. The Lord has said, don't go to Egypt. But you say, I want to go to Egypt. You know what I'm talking about. I'm using Egypt only as a symbol today. God has given you some instruction, and I want to pray that you would obey Him. And so, God, for those that are facing some decisions before themselves today, there may be some, this very moment, contemplating a, a disobedient step. 
God, I ask that you would use this word to, to reach out to them so gently, so lovingly, so faithfully, and speak to them. And say, don't do it. Don't do this to yourself. Trust me. You can count on me. Turn your heart to me. Make a decision for God. You won't be disappointed. And so, Lord, for those hearts that are on, at a crossroad, they know who they are. Lord, you know who they are. Minister to them today. May this redirect their steps. Lord, may this word save. May this word redeem and rescue. By your power, not mine. I give it to you, Lord, and I ask your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen.